Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirija Shamal, and each episode I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, I'll be asking top questions that have been submitted by students on our Careerview website who are interested in a career in finance. Joining me today is senior consultant Richard Cameron, who specializes in valuation modeling and economics at a global firm. Richard, from an early age, has been always deeply interested in numbers, economics, financial analysis. And in this interview, he recalls the sacrifices that he made early in his career to achieve the kind of life that he has today. So let's hear from him. Really glad to have your time here and get your insights about this because you've had a very interesting journey through high school, through university. I've known you for quite some time, so I'm really curious to hear your responses here today. But before we jump into our top questions asked by students, uh, the first thing that I would like to know from yourself is, if you can imagine yourself back in high school, what were your interests and was finance always the main focus for you? Yes, yeah, good question. I think back in high school, I think I gravitated to what maybe what most people do is, is what they're good at, you know, and that's usually something that you're interested in because it's easier to, to get that stuff down. Mm. And that for me was my economic subject. I'm not sure if we had a finance subject back at school, but that was the closest thing to it. And I just remember not knowing anything specific that I wanted to do, but, but generally was interested in, in business, the stock market, anything to do with, I guess, more broadly how the, the world works and how people make money. Yeah. And like just the really key things that you learn in economics, like demand and supply, pricing, yeah. um, all that stuff seem really interesting and also like can explain to me how the, the world kind of uh, operates a bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so that kind of led me to choose to study a, a Bachelor of Commerce. Mm. And then I kept that that economics going by choosing to do an economics major and then finance was something I thought was interesting and wanted to learn more about. Fair enough. And apart from your school subjects and gravitating towards something that you're good at, did you have anyone else influencing you or giving you some insights about this world? So I did have my my dad. He is an accountant and um, someone who works in finance. So that was you know, definitely an influence from, for me because he, he knew about that. But nothing... Nothing really like more than that, I think. Yeah, I think, like I said, it's it was more just a, an interest for me and that's yeah. more that what drove me there and there was nothing s- sort of really strong. It was definitely not clear cut, like what I wanted to do. It wasn't a job in my mind. It wasn't, yeah. it was really nondescript, which is when you think back, then it's kind of crazy, right? That yeah. you're like just choosing what you're going to study yeah. and what to rack up hex debt on kind of just a vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. And what dictates, you know, your potential future, yeah. you know, but like everyone in during that time, it's very common. You, know, you just mm. don't know and you kind of gravitate towards things that you're interested in. So, but it's good to know that you've come a long way and obviously are quite successful and doing quite well as at the moment as a young professional. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, your credentials speak. If, if, if you say that's the case, yeah, let's let's go. Oh, yeah. awesome, Richard. <laughs> Jumping into our first question, uh, yep. Richard, asked by students when it in terms of a career path in finance and economics. The question is, why did you choose to pursue studying finance? 
Yep. So I think touched on that a bit already, but yeah, again, I, I sort of was just interested in it and particularly at school. And I think you don't learn everything at school. I mean, that that's pretty clear. And like finance was not something they really taught at school. And so like, I think that's what drove me to, mm. to study it was because it was something I was interested in. And I think you do really do make these decisions quite loosely sometimes. Yeah. And it's hard to know everything at the start. And especially as a, a school student, you just don't have that full information set. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was really like as simple as like, this is something I'm interested in and I want to learn more about it. Like that's it. And then just give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah. No, yeah. good. Great insights there. Next question that we have for you asked my students is what career options did you have after completing finance studies in university? So I remember, and, and maybe as a result of, you know, potentially vibing it out a bit more than thinking about like the, I guess the end product of a degree. And I think a particularly like broader degrees, like bachelor of commerce, you know, bachelor of arts or whatever it is, as opposed to something more specific, like, mm-hmm you know, engineering or like a, a TAFE trade or something like that mm. where the job is really clear cut at the end result. Yeah. There's so many options. And so I wasn't really prepared, I guess, throughout my degree for thinking that. So yeah, it was, um, it was a bit of a, a shell shock moment, I guess, towards the end of my degree mm. when I was like, oh, oh damn, like I haven't really thought about what job I want or want. Yeah. need to get. And I guess the other thing with, with sort of these commerce jobs is that you need you need to apply pretty early. You need to have internships. Wow. And there's a lot of things, you know, your potential employees want to see yeah. in students. And often it's not just a degree. So that was a bit of a reality check. Mm. And honestly, at the time, I basically decided to try and work my way in the, within my last year of degree. To, I did honours to sort of extend, buy me some time yeah. and figure out what I was doing. But yeah, the, I guess the short answer is, the jobs that I was, the opportunities that I was looking at were, were a lot to do with consulting. Mm. So these are like the big four accounting and consulting firms, which are like EY, PwC, those Deloitte types. Mm. And, you know, there's there's so many things in between. There's like government jobs as well that do a lot of that. So I was interested in the RBA. Yeah. And yeah, like once I figured out a bit more, like after the shell shock moment that yeah. I had needed to sort a few things out, like there's just so much out there for Bachelor of Commerce and Finance more broadly that you yeah it's just at the time didn't know yeah what to do yeah absolutely and that's such great insights there and appreciate sharing that honesty of the shell shock moment because um it is so broad right you Mm. can do so many different things with that background and that makes it exciting but also a bit terrifying as well it's like okay well now what do i do now where do i go what is actually right for me and what's going to interest me so i think being prepared well in advance to know that hey you know what if i can go down this pathway i'll have a lot of different things to consider what exactly do i need to do and doing the planning early is probably some good ways to kind of go about that and limit that kind of shock factor yeah agreed richard next question that we have for you is was it difficult to find a job after university it was difficult uh, the the short answer is it was the difficult so even after doing my honors right i yeah came out of uni without any work experience which was a bit you know like is a bit tricky and definitely something that employees look for when you have a broader degree like bachelor of commerce Mm -hmm. um and i think it speaks to an unfortunate like uh, the state of affairs with the university today is that like a lot of people have degrees and so your potential employers are looking for for what distinguishes you from every other person who has the same degree so what I did uh, the first year out of uni, I actually um, was tossing out whether I should do more study. So I was thinking about maybe doing a master's of, 
applied finance, but kind of decided that was overkill. And then I just started basically hitting up, just messaging. And this is while I was thinking about doing more study, like small, bo- smaller boutique firms around Perth and getting coffees with, um, with people or stuff I should have done years and years before, yeah, wow. but just uh, uh, getting it done and uh, just, you know, like swallowing my pride and, and moving forward. And then I end up working at a, a really good um, stockbroking boutique consulting firm. And I learned a lot there and the people were really good. I started off literally unpaid work experience. Um, and then eventually they gave me a, a paid like part-time position. And so I did that for a while, sort of like in a gap year. And then I applied for the grad position starting the year after my uni had finished. So I applied for a whole bunch of places and I was you know a lot more prepared now because yeah. I hit all the deadlines and all that stuff. Mm. And then I got a position or a call f- to, for a position in Melbourne at EY. Yeah. And I honestly don't think they realised I was in Perth. Okay. Because they asked me to come into the interview the next day. Okay, right. And so I didn't jinx it. And I was like, I don't know if I should tell them I'm in Perth, but I decided just to fly over. Wow. You yeah. did? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then, that, then I, that's how I got the, the at least my first position. That's amazing. Yeah. In Melbourne. So... And yeah. do, they, do they, I mean, they obviously found out. They later. found out eventually, yeah. But yeah, I just said that I'm keen to move over to Melbourne. Uh, I didn't think about it too much at the time. But yeah, you just um, yeah. ran with it. And it, and I think, you know, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but it was, a, I think, probably a bit trickier mm. when we were coming out of uni to find a job. It wasn't super hot in the mm. market. And mm. I think Perth as well, where I'm from, is a bit smaller for, like, the stuff that I was into and very, like, mining focused as well. Yeah. So, like... I, I think applying to the the East Coast was a a really good thing because you just there's just a bigger market there mm. and it's sometimes just a a bit of probability right like you can you're just going to get knocked back from these things and, yeah. and you just have you have to have one thing that comes through so yeah definitely and I I really like that because there's two key takeaways for me based on what you said one is being you know you didn't prepare early in terms of putting those applying for jobs or you know getting that work experience and I can definitely see how it, that that catching up needed to do and you did that in the end but you know obviously would have helped if it was much earlier as well so I think that's really good advice and insights there based on your experience of doing it late and obviously the effect it can have but also uh, commending you in the fact that you know you had an opportunity you went out there the east coast does have opportunities for you that are more aligned to yourself and I think this is an important point because sometimes you think about studying in one place and you're going to work around this area it's okay to be open to opportunities not just across the state but even globally as well and of course it's a risk but clearly it was a risk for you just to take a flight down over there and see how it go but sometimes it can pay rewards yeah 100 percent. yeah you got to risk it sometimes and you know like um you know particularly if for whatever reason you know might not be prepared or, or whatever it is um yeah so you gotta take some risks sometimes to to get back ahead. Yeah. And this is the age where you can take you some You can, risk. 100%, yeah. Moving on to our next question, asked by students, is what is your favourite part of your job? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, this is a good question because you're lucky to the person who loves every aspect of their job. Haven't met them yet, but um, okay, it's hard to love every aspect of your job. Mm. But um, I think for me, it's the main thing that I like about my job is actually learning Mm. and like, I just feel like there's so much I don't know. And when I'm on my job and I feel like I'm learning new things, um, particularly what I do is financial modeling. And that's, you know, really about looking at a company and breaking it down into its building blocks. And I find that really interesting. Mm. And, you know, the fact that I get to work on financial models for different types of companies and different types of industries, I get to learn about all that. 
Yeah. And so it's just so much learning that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the, the thing I do. The key the word, yeah learning. yeah, learning. And and obviously the right environment and the company and where you work needs to facilitate that and provide that kind of growth for learning even more. Have you ever been stagnant in a place where you're not really learning much at all? Or I don't think I've been stagnant like um, in terms of not learning, but I definitely stagnant from the perspective of like what I was learning. In my first role, I was in risk, mm. risk for basically financial services firms. So this is things like banks, super funds and all that stuff. Mm. But risk is really broad. It's a lot of things like operational risk. And I think more so I was interested in the financial risk, which um, particularly at the time was not the big moneymaker. It was a lot about like compliance, regulations oh, and right. stuff like that. Yeah. And so I was, a learn- I was learning a lot, right? Mm. But um, wasn't so keen on what I was learning. Actually learning, yeah. yeah. Mm. So like I'm stagnant from the perspective of if you're learning things that you're not interested in, mm. pretty hard to absorb that information and, and enjoy it. And what'd you do? You just bit the bullet and you just stuck with it and then look yes. for more opportunities? Or? So for a while, I think, I mean, the good thing about my job and I guess consulting more broadly, you know, particularly these big multidisciplinary firms is that you do work on different, so many different clients and mm. so many different types of work that it's not stagnant or, or boring, but some projects can be really interesting yeah. and then other projects can be, you know, less so your your vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it can actually be hard to get a, a good barometer on how you're feeling of your job overall. Yeah, right. So I think it was a bit of like, sometimes I'd feel like, oh, like this is, you know, this is okay. This is probably like, all right. And other times, you know, like really hating it really. And that's okay. But it's just hard to figure out, you know, what's the trajectory. Yeah. And so it took a, a while for me to sort of figure that out. Yeah, no, good. Always continuously looking at self-reflecting, self-reflecting. is really important, whatever job or role that you might be doing. And you could be as, as well studying and just thinking, is this really right for me? And always questioning yourself, is this really what I want to do? Maybe there's something else I can do. And you could do that within your organization, which is fantastic. So that is also because it's so broad, you have that flexibility and something, once again, probably insightful for our listeners who are listening about this kind of career path that you have. Next question that we have for you is... What is the culture like in your company? Uh, that's a good question. I think the culture is really, really good. Again, like in particular, my firm, I've, I've found in, so I've been in two teams over the course of uh, almost the five years that I've been there now. Mm. And in both teams, it's been really good culture, culture that focuses on learning, looking after their people. And you also just get a lot of smart, intelligent, like-minded individuals. Mm. The other thing I would say about like more broadly, the consulting industry and the finance industry particularly within the consulting structure. And what that means is, you know, typically you have partners at the top that will sell work to clients. And then you have like more of your management that run the projects. And then you have a lot of like, you know, whether they're called consultants or analysts at the bottom. Mm. And but what that actually means is that you have a lot of young people around you Mm. who are, you know, similar age, similar interests. So it makes like, even if you have like big working week or, or whatever, you're, with like-minded people, people who yeah. make it a bit bit fun. Yeah. So you might not get that, and you might not get that in um, other you know finance jobs that are within what people call industry. Yeah. Which is like not basically not consulting or not within a bank. Right. Um, it's a bit more flat. You know, you have your whatever manager and maybe one person doing the execution. So exactly. you might not have that 
that, that, that network that as well. Network, yeah. yeah, and I think that definitely helps, right? Um, having mm-hmm. people who are very similar on a similar journey, doing the same things and working with you definitely helps. So that's great to know that you've got a really great culture where you work and definitely helps with doing your day-to-day job because there's more to life than just work, the work itself, but ensuring that you're in a good environment, a good space where your headspace is really important to be able to do that efficiently and go home happy. Yeah, that's the aim. I like it. Next question that we have for you, and I'm really interested to get your inputs here, Richard, is are you able to sustain a good work-life balance? Yeah, I think I am. Like broadly speaking, I am. It does get tricky sometimes. And I'm talking on a maybe one bad week. And that's to be expected sometimes with, with a lot of deadlines. What's a bad week look like? You know, long working hours. Working, you know, not definitely not nine to five uh, into the even, evenings. Like, um, like nine to like 10 or? Sometimes 10, sometimes 12 if it's really busy. Wow. But um, it's not sustained. And I think that's the important thing for me. Okay. Is I don't mind. And, and it's, it's sometimes it's, it's okay because for me, like if we get something done and it's a good job, mm. I get that. Well, hopefully the whole team gets that satisfaction. Mm. But for me, like what I wouldn't be into is like, you know, nonstop working uh, long hours, which I know in some aspects of the finance industry, that's probably more expected okay. and more commonplace, but definitely not, not where I work at least. But yeah, it's everywhere's different, unfortunately. And, but I guess the takeaway for your listeners is that it's not all like that. Mm. And you can find places where the work-life balance is more respected and held as a, a value. And I think where I work is, is definitely more like that. And I think, you know, you can market yourself as someone who is willing to do this, but not that. Okay. And people respect those boundaries. Okay. And how, um, what, how much of that is a difference between working some of the big consulting firms that you do and working some of the smaller boutique kind of consulting firms? Because you've had a taste of a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit. So, I mean, when I was back in Perth at the, the smaller boutique, it was it was definitely more nine to five. But like, I mean, I don't know whether that was more a reflection of how junior I was. So mm. I can't speak like, I guess, more broadly on that. Uh, but I think the conventional wisdom is that, but at least in industry, like typically in industry and maybe at the smaller boutiques is that the hours are could be a bit better. Okay. Um, but I don't know if that's a hard, fast rule. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And coming back to when you have really bad weeks and yeah. it's really busy, you may be working at starting at nine and finishing at 12 at midnight, really hectic. What do you do to make yourself still sustainable in that whole week and still functioning? And what are some of the corrective measures that you kind of take for yourself to make sure that you are mentally okay to continue with your day? Yeah. I think it's, um, a good question and honestly something I'm still working on just given that like I've only been in this role for less than a year and it's admittedly a bit busier than my my old position but I think that the keys are like making sure you do things that you know are good for you and um, having those as non-negotiables okay Um, and and what I mean by that is like for example like if you are a gym person and you know you get a lot of it of going to the gym or you have like sport that you do or running or whatever it is like you know, whether it be meditating, whatever it is, those like non-negotiables, you keep those sacred. And yeah. so if you if you always go to the gym at least three times a week, even when you're busy, you make time for it. Make time. And what do you do, by the way, just out of interest? What are your non-negotiables? My, my non-negotiables, just making sure that I do some exercise mm-hmm. at least three times a week. I just find like it keeps me happy and, and, and mentally fresh, I guess. And then the other thing as well is um, like, obviously you have that one or two nights sometimes when even at school, right? Like assignments, got to get out, pump out those assignments and yeah. might be pulling all that all nighter. We're, like we've all been there, but um, is like sleep as well is okay. incredibly important for me. Yeah. Um, and 
I didn't really, it, it took me a while to realize that, but I just don't perform well with um, sustained levels of, of bad sleep. Yeah. So just, yeah, sleep. Sleep is a good one. There's yeah. nothing heroic sleeping I, yeah. for, for like four or five it's hours. No, and then working continuously no. or thinking you are really grinding. And no, it's terrible. Don't let, yeah. Pet peeve is grinding and not sleep, like sleeping. I just think it's it's a bit, yeah, a bit stupid. It's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, a bit ridiculous. Uh, yeah. You know, valuing that seven to eight hour sleep, not just for your performance at work, but for your general well being. For general well being, that's bare minimum. Yeah, bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And obviously, sacrifices need to be made, whether it's a deadline or this, that, the other. Yeah. But trying to come back and restore that balance yeah. of rest and you know non-negotiables yeah. of exercise, I think that's great and great insights and there. I, and just one more thing, like I think you know, when you do have a busy week, is that when you finish that that deadline or whatever, actually taking some downtime and uh, getting back into those things that might have uh, slipped to the wayside when you had a busy week. Um, I think that's really important. Really great to hear, Richard. Um, next question that we have for you, asked by students is, is the pay what you expected in this role and how far can it go? When I, when I first started in consulting, I had 55, I think it was like 55 to 60K mm. and that's pretty much where I was, was starting. Starting, yeah. Yeah, so mm. um, how high can it go? I mean, like I personally, um, it was quite a quick ramp up for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm talking like 10, 15% per year, uh, pretty consistently. I was in a in an area at the start of my first role that was growing really quite quickly and in high demand, so that that really helps. It does very uh, significantly, yeah, or at least it can between like teams within these big big firms. But yeah, it, it ramped up quite quickly. Yeah, that's great to know. And once again, uh, the rewards for the fact that you pursue this pathway it starts off small, but it can ramp up quickly. Great insights there, Richard. Next question that we have for you, asked by students is, did you have any kind of backup options? In case anything failed and you didn't want to do this at the end of the day, did you know you could fall back on something else? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a backup option. This was uh, me just figuring out my options, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I was very conscious as well, given that I didn't know what so well you know, throughout my uni, like what I wanted to do of finding something that I could still, you know, figure that stuff out, which is what I've done. Not, not all companies are equal in terms of the diversity you get. So if you're not sure, like I would say, look for a company that has that like breadth because then that will help you figure it out as you go along. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, excellent. No, I like that. Very insightful stuff once again. Last question that we have for you, Richard, asked by students is, what is the most challenging aspect of your job today? For me, I think the most challenging aspect um, has actually been learning the technical skills. So financial modeling is a lot of Excel work. So it's just tough, like getting it, it, and it still is like just getting up to speed and like feeling confident in what I'm doing because yeah. it's quite technical. Um, so you know, but it, it goes hand in hand. I'm learning a lot, but it yeah. is challenging from the fact of, from the fact that you know, like you'll have things that you need to get done um, in a timely fashion, and sometimes you know not knowing exactly how to do things can be a bit stressful with those deadlines, you know. Um, and did it take quite a bit of time to build those technical skills or like what kind of support and enablement did you get? Yeah, so I got a lot of support. So at least at EY we have someone called our counsellor. And so they're typically like a, a much more senior member in your team. And so that's a really good support because you can basically, you know, message them anytime and be like, I need help with this. What do you recommend here? Hmm. And then just also people of the same age uh, or similar age around you that you feel pretty 
comfortable with just like uh, school yeah just like school yeah uh yeah give me give me your homework answers kind of, kind of vibe. <laughs> that's good no yeah. great to know you get support yeah um but technical skills obviously yeah i think that was challenging for yourself yeah but um you did have a good network you had a good support system, support system yeah. yeah absolutely and richard that wraps up all the questions that we have for you for our listeners out there who have more questions for Richard um, that did not feature on our list today and would like to connect with him, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you'll find Richard's profile and you can send him more questions, which I'm sure he'll be happy to answer when he has some, when he's not on a busy schedule week. Um, and with every episode, please don't forget to submit the questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who've been there and they've done that and they can share their experiences. Um, Richard, once again, I can't thank you enough for sparing some time and to share your insights and thoughts about what you do and how you got where you are today. Before I let you go, I want to ask this, okay? And I want to know if you had a chance to go back to high school, uh, if you had a chance to kind of go back and do it all again, what would you do differently? I would definitely do it differently. I would definitely engage a bit more with the, I guess, the end result. And what I mean by that is most people at uni ultimately to find at some point a job, um, something that provides them income. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think, you know, it'd be a bit easier for me if I engage with that a little bit and see what might be interesting from a job perspective, not just a subject matter, because it, it makes you engage with the process a bit more. And the things are definitely way more structured these days and in terms of like job applications and internships and unfortunately if you don't engage with these things which are very simple like you just need to really know about it and and do the bare minimum you can be at a significant disadvantage to finding something that you would really enjoy and and thrive in um so yeah i guess that's my only thing that would change richard thank you so much for being here thank you nirajit